Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And we're in good old Iceland. Woohoo! Good old Iceland. <laughs> good old Iceland. This is the first couple days of our Iceland residency program 2015. We're traveling with awesome Team Moss right now. We're actually sitting in our giant 15 person van. This is a new thing for us. I'm looking around and I see some seats and some, some empty seats we're sitting yes. in it alone i see some uh package of only four of eight caramel wafer biscuits because i might have eaten <laughs> the other four and i see one artist hanging out painting outside oh that's awkward we didn't tell anybody we were in the car <laughs> so she might be like she's Why painting an abandoned an abandoned farmhouse yeah so, of course, we're sitting in the southernmost part of Iceland right now. It's probably a nice, brisk, like, 50 degrees. Um, the sun is kind of setting because, as, as you might know, up here near the Arctic Circle, the sun doesn't really set. So it's nice and uh, just about my kind of weather, I think. So we've been having a really awesome time with these guys. Again, we're traveling as a group of 15 throughout, like, the southern coast of Iceland. Um, you guys who have listened last week know that we just put up the Iceland residency applications for 2016. We're looking to come back here again with two new groups of people to explore, learn, share processes, um, talk about art together, and spend a lot of time just making a lot of cool stuff. So um, that application, uh, I might as well mention where it is. If you go to the homepage of the website, lightgrayartlab.com, you can see it. There's a big square button right on the front says um, applications 2016 Iceland residency program it's got a big picture of a glacier on it and uh, the whole program really revolves around being out in the field with a bunch of people who want to share like a lot of different art related things with each other conversations like demos people are doing all their workshops um, we'll mention a little bit of it in this week's podcast and then tell you a little bit about what what we've been doing but it's a great experience if you want to meet some other people from all over the world. We encourage people from everywhere to apply. Um, and again, we mix it up, bring people together that may not um, have the chance otherwise to kind of meet in a really fun, kind of wild location and do some crazy things together. So, yes, so go to the main page of the website, get some information, and, and that's about it. So before we start, also, we have a couple things going on back at home in good old Minneapolis. What's going on, Jenny? Uh, so actually next week, August 7th from 7 to 10 p.m., uh, we are turning our space over to the great team from Autoptic. Uh, they are hosting a comic exhibition featuring five international comic artists. They're going to have a ton of originals, comic zines, and lots of brand new projects that they're going to be sharing. Um, so that project, again, is brought by Autoptic and also the Chi Found Me uh, residency program that happens at MCAT every summer. So it's very exciting. We're excited to uh, share the space with those guys and see all the work that they're making. Um, the very next day, we will also have a booth at Autoptic, which is the small publishing and comic expo that's happening in the ARIA building in downtown Minneapolis. So the 8th and 9th, um, you can see us there. We'll have tons of prints, books, decks, lots and lots of awesome projects that you guys are welcome to flip through and see what we have. So come say hello to all the great people we have working at our booth. Yep, some of our interns, some artists that are donating some of their time. And again, it's one of our big fundraisers for the year. A lot of prints that artists have donated over the past, one-of-a-kind pieces, and a lot of cool stuff, you know. So definitely come say hi if you're there. Uh, so... In the last couple days, 
we have gotten the chance to revisit one of our favorite places. Um, every year we are going to Iceland to, to really find ourselves again. And I think we've talked many a time about how traveling to a different location really kind of gives you this new like sense of who you are, why you're doing what you're doing. And you have like some time to reflect. And so when we were walking around, like some of the spaces that we thought we knew really well, um, one of the things that I was thinking about you guys was the fact that no matter how many times you've been somewhere, you actually are always exploring. And so on the very first day of our residency, we took everybody, put them in the van and headed over to a really cool spot that we found on one of our adventures, just Chris and Jenny and I last time. And it was a, is it, is it, it's called Raarfellholschalir. That's my horrible <laughs> pronunciation of it. Um, but what it is, is a lava tube that stretches for about one and a half kilometers underneath the earth. And it's got a couple really awesome natural skylights. And last year, Jenny and Chris and I went down there because we were like, what's this? And we climbed around in there, and of course, maybe the ceiling is 20 feet tall, and there's rocks, there's basalt, there's like molten, once molten lava that is cooled into all these really weird formations. And we could only get so far, because it got pitch black after maybe about 50 feet into the cave. And this year, it was within our abilities to go on Amazon and <laughs> buy ourselves some headlamps, which we were like, you know, what would be really great? A headlamp. Have you ever bought a headlamp before? Actually, I have. This was my second purchase of a headlamp, really? and it was a good choice. Oh, okay. Where'd yeah. your first headlamp go? It is missing in action. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my second, second headlamp, and it was well worth it. It was well worth it. We used, Okay, so it's kind of like a bicycle light strapped to the front of your head. If you've never seen a headlamp, it's like wearing a jock strap with a bicycle light, <laughs> <laughs> but putting it on your head. And so, of course, as we strapped them on, we felt a little strange, but then instantly knew why we had these contraptions on, because as we descended into the depths of this cave, all of a sudden we started to see little tiny glints and sparkles, and it we had not been able to get any further in there because last time I think I was bringing my, my cell phone trying to use my like little flashlight. You can illuminate like one inch in front of your face. And so as we climbed over these with our headlamps, all of a sudden it opened up into a giant cavern filled with stalagmites that were made out of ice. And as you got closer, your headlamp shone through them and every single one illuminated, almost like a weird crystal palace. And so all of us were climbing down there. It was just us. Our voices were echoing off the sides of the caves. We were wandering through, almost crab crawling through all these slippery, icy rocks, you know. And the further you got, the more you realized how much of that cave was actually this really strange combination. Of course, Iceland always is like the land of fire and ice, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, it makes sense. But in there, truly... All of this crazy, smooth, molten lava-looking stuff that had cooled, almost like metallic-looking walls mixed with these great, like, super sparkly stalagmites that came up from the ground that were about as tall as people. We have a couple pictures that we'll try and put up on the website so you can see just how neat that was. But, man, I have never seen anything like that before. Yeah, it was really, really surprising to sort of come over the top of... Um, the tunnel sort of goes up and down. You'll have to climb over these sort of big piles. And we came over the last pile before the darkness. 
and it was just glimmering. It was really amazing, and I don't think any of us expected it. I would imagine, like everything in Iceland, depending on exactly the moment you decide to visit it, it is a completely different ex- different experience depending on the season and the weather, and even like sitting in front of some of the things during during the day or throughout the day, you'll see the light change, and you're like, what? I never knew that it looked like that, or now it looks so much different, or is that the same mountain, even yeah. though you're staring at it? It's really true. One of the things that we thought was really interesting is we're about three weeks earlier than we were last year. I think usually the, the highest tourist season, or like kind of the warmest months, um, are in the summer, of course, and August happens to be the time. Mid-August is the time to come to Iceland because everything is warm. You know, it's like high 60s, low 70s. It's it's t-shirt weather. And so, you know, we're a couple weeks earlier, and of course there's still snow in some places. And the best thing about it is I think I've seen more wildflowers here now, mm-hmm. just a couple weeks earlier than I got to see last year. All the fields right now are purple and white. There are hot pink kind of small blossoms everywhere. We'll go through these massive just open fields of tons of very weird looking little... I should really figure out what exactly they are. Like weird looking purple flowers. And it's been really very cool to see um, sort of the transformation. So again, the whole point of me saying this all, all this stuff is that it's interesting reinvestigating a spot that you thought you knew... And then realizing that you might not have known anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh yeah, we're going to turn this corner and see this thing. And of course they turn the corner and something else is there. And I was like, what? How did that happen? So anyway, so uh, the the cave that we were in was the first surprise for us. The second surprise came as we, we went to a black beach. We talked about it last year. Um, I think it's called Rainsdranger or something like that. You like my things? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I know. Chris really likes it because he, he, he chuckles under his breath. It's uh, it's not that bad. Come on. So I feel like uh, when we went there, it's a black beach that is is just um, towering with basalt columns. Some are twisted. Some are very straight. Basalt, of course, grows in hexagonal um, tubes, and they all kind of grow together. And um, it was interesting because depending on the tide and depending on the time of year, there's only certain spots that you can reach as you go around each of the bends. And so the first time Chris and I visited, it was high tide, and we got to see one formation. Mm-hmm. And so... Did you see any of the cave areas? No. Like, we, when we went, we went and there was a, one initial area that kind of looks like an accordion. It looks like mm-hmm. a, or an organ, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of organ pipes kind of coming from the earth. And, of course, high tide was happening. It was really kind of cold out. And the water was splashing against it, and we just didn't go any further. We said, oh, that's cool. We got back in the car. It was freezing cold, you know, when we left. But this year, we went around the bend, and we saw more um, really incredible basalt columns, a bunch of caves, all sorts of cool things. And then last year, Tegan White, um, who was on our 2014 residency, had walked all the way to the end of the beach, where she had gone and sat on a rock. And there's a picture in uh, one of the photos that Chris took in the 2014 Iceland Residency um, exhibition. Mm -hmm. You can see she's a little tiny, tiny person on a bunch of brown rocks near near the ocean where a bunch of columns that resemble trolls kind of shoot up out of the earth. That's about as far as we got. And this time we braved over those 
and it opened up an incredibly new, different kind of side to things. When we were over there, we realized all of those columns actually, you know when you go and you walk, and people who live in the Midwest will understand this, people who live in maybe the, the Pacific Northwest will get this, I don't know, probably anywhere where you have um, trees and moisture, you know? <laughs> I don't know where this is. Yeah, I don't know yeah. where this is going. <laughs> okay, when you when you walk on a certain side of a tree, oh yeah, most trees have moss on one side. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and it just depends on like how the sun rises and sets and where the dew is and how you know how the atmosphere is. And the black beech was just black, black and white, and it always has been. Every time we've seen it, we've been coming for five years, you know, and walking around that one corner, all of a sudden showed us the other side of these pillars that jutted out of the earth and they were absolutely green on the other side just one full green sheet of all this moss and ferns and everything and inside the green were puffins and terns and all sorts of arctic birds just kind of hanging out inside the pockets and it was something that on one side it was completely dead and the other side it was teeming with life you know and it was just the one little pass around the corner that got just a completely different experience with that we walked a little bit further and went up and climbed above some rocks and as you're climbing you can really feel how sharp a lot of that rock really is. Volcanic rock as anybody knows, if you ever touched it, pumice, if you're you know, any of like it's kind of glass like, it's very hard, you know. Yeah, shale. Shale, like anything that's it's super pointy. And as you're climbing on it, you can feel it. It's almost like you're touching a bunch of broken pottery shards or like, you know, just the edge of a ceramic cup. If you've ever dinged mm -hmm. like a ceramic cup, it's very, um, it's not exactly the most pleasant feeling on your hands. So I had my, my hands kind of scooted into my sleeves and I was climbing over these rocks and we got, um, probably about 15 feet away from an area on the left side, we had a big giant cliff overhang of basalt rocks covered in moss and ferns to the right was an ocean with a bunch of different like all sorts of different rocks jutting out of it and we're climbing on the rocks next to the mountain and i look up and 15 feet away are, are is a puffin colony and they're so silly you know there are 50 60 birds up there all kind of huddling together you know they're so goofy they've got kind of these bulbous bodies giant beaks you know i'm sure everybody knows what a puffin looks like but when they they move, they kind of waddle, kind of like a duck. Yeah, like little mm -hmm. baby arms. They're like little ducks or chickens or something like that. They're just yeah. so silly. It's really funny. Like when you were talking about all this stuff, um, like today when we went to the Black Beach, we looked up when low tide was so that we could make it all the way around, so that we could see the caves and we could make sure that we saw everything okay. And that's how amazing, like how temperamental everything is. Like of course all the puffins are having their babies right now and we came at low tide to see this very specific thing and things are like constantly changing even though you just see something for one second of one day um this happened again earlier today like we've been to Skogafoss, a giant waterfall a couple of times um and one of the artists jesse riggle climbed on top and continued to go forward and he saw he said he saw about 40 more waterfalls on top of the waterfall but you would never be able to tell that that's what was happening up there from the roadside or even climbing up it like I climbed up there and I didn't see anything and as many times as you've been up there I'm sure it's one of those things where you take you've only got a little bit of time so each one of these times when we'd stop we'd have maybe an hour and a half sometimes two hours if we're lucky to explore and depending on the way you choose you only get to see 
your perspective from that side, you mm-hmm. know? I have never, in the many times that I've visited Skogafoss, a giant waterfall, I have never climbed to the top. I would have never known that any of that was there and, and, unless somebody had come down and told me that it was up there mm-hmm. or showed me a picture from their phone or something like that. And I feel like that's sort of the, the spirit of how we're treating these couple days. Um, as always, it's been really interesting and eye-opening, you know, revisiting things you thought you knew really well, including your own art practice. I know we talk a lot about that on the podcast. Um, one of the things that I've been really exploring while I'm here in my personal practice is, of course, at, right before I left, Chris and I had a million deadlines. We had a bunch of design work that we had to do. We handed it off the midnight before we had to get on a plane, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff that we are so familiar with the process. You're just constantly in the know about how long it's going to take you, where you have to go for your resources, what you're going to do, what process to get it done on time, right? You have kind of all these things you know really well. And we were working on a project that I think was really interesting. And maybe, Chris, you can say a little little thing about this. But we were working on a really cool project for a client where it required us to do a ton of research about a place we've never been. Mm -hmm. We were basically making a product that had to sell to people who lived in a state that we've never been to, we don't know anything about. And it's kind of like a crash course in becoming what it means to be... uh, A local? A local, yeah. (laughs) At a place you've never been? Right. So it was basically just researching, like, what types of things should be on this map and what types of things, you know, are important to the state. So it was, I don't know if it's an an exploration in in kind of, like, what's the differences, I guess. Well, the funny thing about it is in doing a project like that, there's something that I go through. You know, I know how long it takes me to draw something. I know how long it might take me to complete a certain kind of a product or something like that. But, um feeling familiar is a completely different thing with the subject matter you know mm-hmm. and i i was complaining about the the fact that no matter how many times i draw a lobster it's just really hard <laughs> you know and i think what it is is we were we were likening it to or actually becca olean um who works with us at the gallery did a um, workshop this evening about memorization or kind of um, exploring the world around you in ways by thinking about your your surroundings, reinterpreting it, referencing it, then dereferencing it, and destruct you know uh, deconstructing it, and all these different ways to kind of really get to know your subject matter and to be able to pull back like pull it back and reuse it later without having like a million pieces of reference. So I was talking about this lobster that I've had to draw a couple times. And just in the last several years, it's a topic that just shows up. Maybe because I've drawn one, I get to draw more or something like that. But every single time, it's almost like drawing a machine for me because it's got armor. It has weird joints. There are certain like pieces to it. And I have to re-explore that every single time I do it. You know, It's a very weird kind of a process. So... I think in these in these um, things that we were making, like I'm relearning a lot of things about how I perceive subject matter, and it's a very strange kind of a, a thing because you're like, I know myself, I know how to draw, 
I know I can do this. I know I can make this product. But then at the same time, you're having these struggles between like relearning how to draw a lobster, understanding the functionality of its claws and its weird tail and all this kind of stuff. Same thing with like if you have to draw a lighthouse, you kind of think you know what a lighthouse looks like. Yeah, well, there's a lot of different lighthouses, though, so it's kind of finding the right one. and Right, and and being a local, too. If you were a local and you had to look at a certain lighthouse, you'd be like, that's not my lighthouse. Right. Or, you know, yeah. or you'd have to really make sure that your lighthouse is, is the right one. Anyway, the point of me saying this is that I struggle with being comfortable, completely understanding a subject, you know? Like, like when I draw botanicals, I draw them because I understand them. I understand how to make them up because I know them so well, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're drawing a lobster, you can kind of sort of make a lobster shape, but the confidence in me drawing a lobster is a completely different sort of a thing. We did exercises tonight, Mm -hmm. um, where, um, Laura Bifano asked us to draw the person across from us. And Jen, you were talking about your experience with just like, I mean, you're sitting there across from somebody Maybe you don't draw portraits very often. You understand how to draw, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, my experience with it, it was kind of tricky. Like, I don't draw portraits very often. I mean, I used to draw them a lot, but it's been quite a while. Um, It's also you're in a setting. You have maybe 20 minutes to do a portrait, and you're gifting it to the person. So there's (laughs) there's a lot of pressure. There's, like, extra pressure. Um, But also you're both moving, you're both drawing. Um, It's sort of like if you guys have ever drawn in a cafe, it's the same sort of feeling. Like you're drawing somebody, it's going awesome, and then they get up and leave and you're like, okay, well, (laughs) I guess it's just how it is. Um, But it was a really interesting experience because it sort of works muscles that you are not used to working. And I think, I mean, this entire trip is that way. You're like climbing a mountain and using muscles that you forgot that you have. I have forgotten (laughs) that I have thighs because they hurt really bad now. Yeah, which I think, I mean, both, like, the physical exercises of being here, but also the mental space. Like, we, we, even the last couple podcasts, we've talked a lot about, like, what we need to do on our to-do list and how we can get everything done and packing and, like, preparing, which is a totally different mindset than, like, being open to experience. And so we're exercising, like, the muscle side of our brain that is taking things in and being creative and that takes a lot of work but I also think the good thing about all the nightly exercises is it sort of like touches on um like the different parts of those things so like Laura's exercise when she had us drawing each other like I know tons of those guys draw people every day and they loved it and they were comfortable um and I think for me doing it I had a really fun time but it's also something that I don't do every day. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's something I could always work on in my free time now is, like, portraits or something like that. I do like sketching people, but I like drawing objects and places better. And so it's just, like, learning both your preferences, your defaults, but also the things that you'd like to explore. And I think that was part of your workshop as mm-hmm. well. Like, one of the big things that I think is a reoccurring theme in a lot of the, a lot of the discussions we've been having so far. And, of course, we're on day two. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're on day yeah, two, which is crazy. We had a lot of really good discussions, and and one thing that just keeps coming back is like shaking it up for yourself mm-hmm. and relooking at the things you were very familiar with, mm-hmm. things that you know about yourself, and things that you think you could expand on. And so, as of course, it's a big theme of the residency, but it's a big theme that's been popping up. And I think a lot of people here are stretching muscles that they have not either used in a while, or maybe they didn't even know. Like 
like I'm how I'm feeling on the tops of my thighs. Maybe <laughs> I didn't even know I had those until, you know, somebody said, you got 20 minutes, you got to draw this person, and here's here's how we're going to do it. It's postcard size, one, two, three, go, you know? Yeah, and already so far the workshops have been really varied, so they're not all just, like, drawing. Some of them are patterns, some of them are discussions about memory and visualization, and some of them are... Um, you know, three-dimensional and, yeah. and things that I think people weren't expecting. So every single workshop is kind of a new unknown thing that you have to react to. And even though you might not Im immediately understand, like, what it's going to be about or something like that, it, you can ultimately see how it applies yeah, to actually, early, earlier tonight, Eric Krenz brought um, a ton of uh, 3D models that he has from his work. He works at Blue Rhino Studio and creates lots of murals and three-dimensional things for dioramas and different museums and zoos and things like that. And he brought them to us and told us about his job and his work and what he has to do. Um, and then gave us each a creature that we have to paint. Um, and some of the first questions right away from people were like, do you paint on the light? Do you paint on the shadow? Do you like help people understand what this is supposed to look like and he was telling us that like of course no don't do that you'll put it in a lit setting so those things will naturally occur and so just thinking about local color thinking about how you can make it as believable as possible it's not a painting you are representing an object which you know? is really funny it kind of shows how foreign that is to some of these people because the first thing that you know people who are doing concept art where they were thinking about like what color am i going to make the shadows what you know how am i going to oh, do yeah, the highlights yeah. I, and i think like both you guys said this and this is this is kind of like me retelling this but it it forces people to ask questions mm -hmm. i think we're all in an environment where if you know even if you're in school you know right now you still have, like, a lot of questions that you can ask as people are throwing new content at you. And mm -hmm. because all learning is self-directed, every single learning, even if somebody's telling you what you should be doing, you should be painting, like, a, like a 3D object. Like, you are still asking questions about how it relates back to your practice. And you're mm -hmm. re-looking at the things that you're doing and trying to kind of add to the stuff that you are already familiar with. Like light and shadow do I mm -hmm. need it do I need to do local color what am I doing you know mm -hmm. um it was really interesting uh Erin McGuire did a children's book lecture she talked a lot about just what the field is doing right now she mm -hmm. talked a lot about a great great examples not only in storytelling but showed us a ton of great books and kind of described how her vision of the entire industry has changed and that's been really interesting. As some of you guys know, um, I work in an industry that is absent of story for the most part. Uh, everything is representational. When I have to do technical drawings for products, I am doing almost scientific-like illustrations. Um, when I do patterns, it's textural. It's all about making something that um, for really, for the most part, has no story to it. So when you see somebody work in a sequential way, in a, in a you know, whether it's comics or whether it's, like, storyboarding or whether it's children's book um, or, you know, literature or whatever else, it's very interesting to kind of hear someone's interpretation is very familiar with their thing and then also to, to be able to kind of, like, internalize, like, wow, that's really, 
a new way to think about the same kind of marks I might put down, mm-hmm. but a completely different, like, you know, completely different industry, completely different thing. So it's been very cool to kind of hear the lecture parts or hear like the discussion parts yeah. as well, you know? Yeah. And what I like about that is, um, like with Aaron's as an example, I mean, she is part of an industry that we don't get to see the insides of a lot of the time, unless you are involved in the process of that. Like when you hear the word children's book illustrations you like imagine a very specific thing and I think it's cool that everyone's coming from different backgrounds and locations and sort of opening up their level of expertise and what they love and care about um to share with one another which is really cool it's very cool so um now that we are uh kind of closing down the second day we have big plans, of course, uh, to continue sort of the exploration and let people not only walk all over these interesting things that we're going to take them to, but of course us three, because this is our second year in the residency program, for us to revisit places and learn from the things that we know, we think we know very well, um, and to kind of talk a little bit more later on about how the rest of the workshops are going and what people are learning and how things are happening. Um, we'll eventually have a lot of photos up from what people are making. It was really cool. I got a couple ones that... Um, I mean, if you want to follow along, the hashtag is right now Team Moss 2015. And everyone in the workshop is... I mean, I don't know if you guys have looked. I have. I have. It's, yeah. It's really It's cool. an endless list already. Like, people are posting tons of photos just on their Instagram feed or That's in awesome. Twitter or whatever. So you can see some of the work already. Um, and obviously more to come. It's really very cool. I'm glad they set that up too because you can kind of see a, a little bit of everything. I mean, mainly I think they did it for themselves and their followers, I guess, but it, but it mainly I think it was uh, to helpful to see every what we were doing, I guess, mm-hmm. what every other person in the residency was kind of like taking in and posting and things like yeah, that. Yeah, which so. is super cool. It's really cool. Also, like we were talking about before, when you're drawing something, you don't always have a chance to see everything. Or if you're exploring, you don't always have a chance to draw at a location. And so it's really cool to see the people who did walk further down the beach or who did climb higher on the peak, what they saw and what that experience was like. Or what they painted while we were off exploring, you know. Some people have, you know, you have to make a choice. Are you going to sit down and draw or are you going to, you know, go around the third bend of this river or something like that? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is really That's awesome. a hard choice. It is a hard it choice. It is a hard choice. I always pick Explorer, I think. Really? Pretty much. I feel like in this particular last couple days, I have chosen to, I don't know, a, a pretty, mix. a good mix. Usually mm-hmm. I, I would, uh, usually I did choose Explore mm-hmm. and look. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, I, I'm beelining it for the things that I've never done. Yeah, I think that's what revisiting has given us a chance to do is push beyond where we've been before. And we, you know, you can kind of get over the initial being like, oh, look, you know, you kind of know the surface level of what's there and you can instantly kind of go to the more kind of esoteric corners where you haven't really explored. Maybe it's looking at really close detail on certain things or maybe it's running to an area you've never been to or, or, you know, skipping past the kind of the main event and seeing what else is around the area yeah and i think well of course try to continue that i think it'll be really fun to see what everybody does and again if you guys do want to take a peek at some of the things that are happening it is team moss 2015 
um, and you can just see see what's happening. Yep, and you can. That's uh, I'm sure it's on Instagram and Twitter and probably Facebook. I don't know how hashtags work. I guess I don't know. I think they're <laughs> supposed to work on Facebook. I guess it just depends on where the artist posts them. But I yeah, know for sure Instagram, Instagram is a big one, and and Twitter too. Yeah, and so um, what our plans are, of course, tomorrow we have plans to head over to. Um, it's ice day practically mm-hmm. we have all the ice tomorrow so we're going to go and see some glaciers um and explore a little bit over there and then again lots of workshops planned lots of good discussions and that's that's pretty much our agenda for the next couple of days so follow along with us see if you can if you can um, send us a note every now and again if you want to say hi um definitely we've got some some internet at the the thing we would love to just hear from you if you want to send us uh a message on Instagram or whatever else. I think that's really fun. Mm-hmm. So that's about it, I think, for today. So you guys, as we, as you know, we have the comic exhibition coming up in just a couple weeks here. Uh, you can still check out all the limited edition and original pieces from the Patches and Stitches exhibition that's up on our shop right now, which is shop.likeritlab.com. Um, as they're installing the new exhibition, the space won't be open until the 7th. So stop by from 7 to 10 for the big reveal and the big opening reception. Yep. Clearly no game night this week. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> In your soul, you are playing a game. Maybe we'll play one with the people here and that will be our light gray game night. Yeah, maybe maybe they will do that. So, um, if people do want to find us, where do they find us, Chris? You can search Instagram or Twitter for Team Moss 2015 or you can go to the blog, blog.likegrayartlab.com. You can find us on Facebook and give us a like. Stay up to date there. You can follow us on Twitter at lightgrayartlab.com. You can follow us on Tumblr, lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly from Stitcher Radio. That's awesome. And definitely, you guys, if you're interested in coming with us next year, um, want to be one of the two teams that we take to Iceland, we have the applications open until August 30th, uh, and then we'll be jurying over the next month. Uh, September 30th is the final um, big reveal for our new teams for 2016. So um, all that stuff is on the website uh, front page. You guys can go check it out. So thanks again for listening, and we'll join you 